Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckert. It feels early. It's six o'clock in the evening. We usually record this late, but I think the fact that summer is coming and the sun is still out and bright, it feels like we're doing this in the middle of the day. Yeah, summer has arrived. We can actually do podcasts before midnight because there aren't <laughs> games and stuff. Well, you're yeah. when you photograph games, then that's different. Then we're back into one a.m. Yeah. territory. But that's where we get in trouble. Is is if I because uh, I'm still shooting. Even though the NBA is mostly over, minus obviously the finals, uh, I'm shooting the WNBA now, and so that pushes us back on nights where I'm shooting. But they don't play as much as like the G League did. They're not playing as many games here. I'm not shooting quite as much. So. Um, that's right. I forgot. I forgot that that's what kind of pushed us back last time. That yeah. and kids. Well, yes. I mean, children. But basically, I don't have my kids on Tuesday night, so I'm free. But you have your kids like lots. So every other, yeah, every other Tuesday. Yep. Every so we Tuesday. got lucky this time. We get to record before the crack of midnight. Yeah, we might actually make sense this yeah. week. We'll we'll see how that goes. Exactly. We'll um, be fun to listen to. <laughs> we'll try. It's man. It's I feel like. We are not even really technically in the off season. The finals are still happening, and I feel like things are rolling. I'm starting to get excited about next season. If I should even go there, uh, I there's a lot happening, and the Blazers seem to be kind of at the center of a lot of the rumors that are flying. I how are you feeling about this off season, Dave? Well, I mean. Like many off-seasons, it's a lot of noise, and I like the noise, but some of that noise is because the Blazers are being used as crash test dummies as far as salary cap goes. I mean, look, you if you're an agent, you associate your client with uh, any team that's available that could clear cap space, and it's well known that Portland wants to improve and needs to build around Damian Lillard. So those two things, their potential to clear cap space, which, as we've talked ad nauseum, they won't do, but they could. So there's that, and there's also uh, the need for improvement. So there you go. The Blazers are going to be linked with literally everybody who comes along. Yeah, 
it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to be in a place where that's a possibility because, you know, this is this is the off season that we've been waiting for to see what would happen with this new leadership. You know, we we kind of saw bits and pieces of it in the middle of the season and and I know I for one was saying, well, let's wait, let's wait and see what they do in the off season. Let's give them a whole a whole cycle here to kind of get things together. Uh, and especially when they decided to tank, we knew that this was going to kind of be, okay, this is where it comes down to. What are we going to do now? So I still am kind of of the feeling that probably they're not going to be able to put a team together that's going to win a championship in one off offseason. Um, but, you know, I mean, wilder things have happened. Um, I, I will tell you, Dia, that this is, sorry to use personal experience again, but this is the exact dating site equivalent of you haven't paid for the subscription, but you have 82 people who like you. And if you just pay $200 to join up with the thing, you get to see all the people who like you. Right. And then like you actually pay the money and see them. And 98% of them are overseas and the other ones somewhere in Mississippi. Really? Right. Yeah. No. Aren't those done by your, I've never done online dating, so I don't know how any of this works, but isn't it done by your vicinity? Like where you're at? Oh, you can choose vicinity, but I'm pretty convinced. See, I'm, I'm figuring out how this works. Not, not that I've become an expert, but okay. So when you are subscribed or when you're looking for other people, you limit the radius, right? Like, show me people within 100 miles. And when you do a search, it will show you that. And by the way, when you're subscribed, I think you can your likes are also limited. But as soon as your subscription goes dead, it opens up to the entire world. So all of a sudden, okay. all the scammers who are overseas right. go, hey, that person, that person. So you go, oh, no, I uh, let my subscription lapse. And now I have 83 people who like me. <laughs> and then you resubscribe and you figure out, oh, that's why. Well, this links to the Blazers. I mean, oh, wow, everybody is rumored to join the Blazers because they might have cap space. No, they won't. Because they're willing to <laughs> sacrifice major players. No, they won't. But it still looks kind of good for that moment when you haven't quite bought into it and you're thinking you might. I think we're also traumatized <laughs> because like we've watched the Blazers be run a certain way for so long that it, there's there's a sense in which it's like, okay, well, let's not get our hopes up. Like it's not going to change that much. This is pretty much. But at the same time, something has to happen. We are not going to have the same roster we had last at the, at the end of last season. There's no way we can't. I mean, they've got to make some moves and I think they know that. And I think that this is a, a team that's going to do that. And I maybe speak, you know, we'll see if I'm right, but I, I think they're going to make moves. I think with Neil, we just kind of always knew it was going to be the smallest moves possible. Uh, and I think this, I feel like maybe something big is coming. I mean, there were big things. They were bad, big things. It felt like, but there were big things that happened in, in you know, mid season. So maybe something big is coming big and good, right. big and good. There, there are two things to remember here though. First of all, all these rumors have nothing to do with the actual blazers. No matter what the Blazers are playing, if the Blazers were planning yeah. inside their front office to say, we're going to stay put and do absolutely nothing, these rumors would still right, abound right, because right. of the system, of the potential, right? right? So there's that. But I agree with you that the Blazers are going to try to revolutionize their team. If they don't, yeah. it won't be for lack of trying. Right. Uh, and they will probably try harder this offseason than they have for the last six years. Okay. And but here's the thing is that 
the, the likeliest possibility is that they're able to make one move. So one of these yeah. moves that we hear about, and by the way, it's not going to be Bradley Beal, uh, but, you know, one of these moves will happen. But it, there's a good chance it will be a decent move, but not a great move. A good chance it's not DeAndre Ayton, for instance. And then you look and you say, well, they did do something, but what it, is it enough? Right. Well, and to clarify, so for people listening who maybe aren't quite catching what we're saying, um, when a when a player's contract is up, and they're looking to get the best possible contract. Their agents are going to put their name out there and make it look like they're uh, uh, like teams want them, because then that kind of pushes the the pressure to sign them um, from whatever team they actually want to be with. Is this where we're going with this? Right, and and also yeah. there are other quote unquote sources besides agents. I mean, right, right. So look, some well, anytime anytime somebody seems like they're up, like they're not happy where they are we're going to start to see those things come up i mean there's some of that too and those will come from like media those will self-generate right but even the you know there are some people who you figure their sources are plenty good there are some people whose sources quote unquote are assistant coaches or assistant gms or scouts somewhere um and it's hard to tell which is which right right i mean the best source of course would be the gm of the team either that the player is on or the player is rumored to go to. But I think that happens fairly rarely. Mostly it's like, you know, a lot of them are like, well, an Eastern Conference front office person said, hey, you know what? This probably has some legs because it makes a lot of sense. And I heard somebody talking about the possibility. And that gets reported as a source. Now, maybe sources don't lie, they're not fabricating. It probably is a possibility. But how strong right. that possibility is, eh, you know, it's, it's up to the eye of the beholder and really the, the quality of the source. Okay, so let's jump into some of these because there's, there's quite a few. There's been quite a few that are rumored. Uh, I have my opinions. I'm curious what your opinions are. And as always, you know, if, if those of you listening have opinions, there's a comment section where this goes up on Blazer's Edge that you can always uh, chime in and, and give your opinions and, and discuss as well. But um, there, you know, we've talked a little bit. We talked last week, I believe it was, about OG Ananobi. And we talked about we've talked about DeAndre Ayton and we've talked about Jeremy Grant. We've been talking about Jeremy Grant for a long time. He was the first. Um, he was the first was date the first. that showed up with a corsage. <laughs> and, like, can I go out? Can I take you to prom? Or vice versa. Um, and then Zach Levine, who we've also talked about. Those four are names that have been rumored for a while off and on. I feel well, OG is a little bit newer, but we talked about him last week. Yeah, OG. Um, but those yeah, those names have been, the other three have been circulating a little bit longer, and they, they've been things we've talked about a little bit. Yeah, let's summarize really quick. Uh, okay, Ochi, go ahead. Ochi yes, the Blazers should probably go get him. They'll need another move, but he makes a lot of sense because of skill yeah. set and because of contract. DeAndre Ayton, sure, thumbs up from most people, but really hard to get. Zach Levine, probably just a rumor. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's there's very little chance that that would work out. Uh, and also, you have Jeremy Grant, who might be good as a second move, but probably not the primary move to make the Blazers yeah. better. Yeah. So the, some of the other ones that are popping up that are kind of interesting, uh, Obi Toppin, New York Knicks. Um, this is an interesting one to me. You know, the, the trade that I saw for him, I think, gave uh, we gave away Keon Johnson, 
and oh shoot, I should have had it in front of me. Somebody else, the seven, somebody else that was. I want to say it, not. Was it Hart, Hart or Noss or somebody like that? It might have been Josh Hart. It might have been. I wish I had it in front of me. Um, I'll, the seventh, I'll find it for you. The seventh pick, but in return we'd also we'd get Obi and we'd also get the eleventh pick, so it drops down a little bit. Um, and then another pick for another year. This is really good, DeAndre. You've got, I've got, I've got this really uh, pegged down here. But um, all right, here we go. It? Uh, the trade idea would be Toppin and the 11th pick along with a 2023 first rounder from the Dallas Mavericks top 10 protected for the seventh pick and Keon Johnson and Greg Brown the third Greg Brown the third I was thinking it wasn't as big of a player as Josh Hart I mean yeah do the Knicks do that I, I mean do they I mean how do they feel about Toppin I wonder but anyway go ahead so so from what I know Knicks fans are are either real big fans of Toppin or not at all. They seem to kind of be, uh, it, it, there's not a lot of middle ground with him from from the things I hear. Um, I don't hate this. I don't love it. I think Obi Toppin's young, but so is Keon Johnson and Greg Brown. Uh, and, and while I think that Obi Toppin's ceiling is probably higher, uh, especially than Greg Brown. I think Keon Johnson has some solid potential there. I think we're going to see him do well. But uh, I, I don't hate this, but I don't love it. And I think that the difference between a 7th and an 11th pick actually is pretty substantial. Uh, and so for me, I don't know that I'd do this. I Again, I don't hate it. Um, I'm not opposed to it. I think if there was some, I think if we could use that pick to trade for somebody else as well, uh, or if there was somebody in the draft that we were targeting that we thought would, you know, fall to the 11th pick, then that might be okay. But this doesn't seem like the move we need. Obi Toppin doesn't seem like the difference maker kind of player that the Blazers need, in my opinion. Yeah, he's not at all. But here, here are two questions. First of all, do you like who you get at number seven? Because if you don't, there's a big, vast swamp of players. There's a lake of players between seven and like 18 or so that are relatively gettable and the same quality, right? So you could more move back four spaces if you don't want to use that seventh pick because you don't like who's left to you. You could move back four spaces with no penalty. And what does Toppin do? And here's the second question. Do you think he could be a starter someday? He's, he's young. I mean, he's, he's yeah. only 24, right? He's obviously really springy. Uh, he, he, plays, he plays, I would say, a fairly smart game. Um, he's he's pretty efficient scorer. It is really I hard. I actually like him. It, it's hard to tell. I mean, I think it's hard to tell what kind of defender he is on the Knicks, honestly. And, you know, I won't lie. I haven't watched a lot of Knicks games. But... With New York, I mean, that team wasn't that lock-solid of a defensive team, which means there's a big question mark over everybody who's there. Um, so, but I think he has the potential to do some nice things defensively. I, I know some people are higher on him than that. So I think all in all, moving back four spots to get that extra player would, would be a pretty smart move. If you don't like number seven, I think Toppin probably has more overall potential than Greg Brown. I don't know about Keon Johnson. 
So I guess to I me, hate it. I, I'm just thinking, I feel like you have a little bit more pull if you're trading the seventh pick than if you're trying to shop around the 11th pick as far as trading the pick for a player. Um, so to me, unless we are planning to use that pick to draft, I think you want to hold on to that because Obi Toppin doesn't seem like what you want to get from the seventh pick. To me, you go after somebody bigger than that if you have the seventh pick to trade. Um, and that's where I kind of fall out of this. Other than that, other than that aspect, if we didn't need to do more with that, then this doesn't seem like a bad trade. But to me, it takes away your opportunity to go after somebody bigger. It's kind of like it's kind of like the other day I took my daughter to the store and she has this hundred dollar bill. She's nine for for reference, but she has this hundred dollar bill that she's been hoarding since her birthday, which was almost six months ago. She has one tank she's, of gas. She's yeah, she's been yeah, she's been hoarding this. And, you know, things will come up here and there that she wants to spend it on. And she just she just doesn't do it. And so she finally found something she wanted. And it wasn't even very expensive. It was only about fifteen dollars. And so she finally broke it. She finally spent this this, you know, fifteen dollars. And now instead of having one one hundred dollar bill, she has, you know, change. She has twenty dollar bills and whatever. And you you've got these and, and it's it's harder to get something with I, I this isn't translating as well as in a picture as i was thinking but to me what you do when you make this trade is you break apart that hundred dollar bill and now instead of having something where you can go after that bigger player you've got like you may still be able to make moves but i just feel like that's kind of the one thing that we have that we can really bargain with and dropping down to the 11th pick you lose some of that sure it does still spend but I think you're right, perhaps not as strikingly, unless the other team is in the same position as the Blazers. They're not going to like the risk of the clear choice at number seven, and they're good because they can get their person at number 11. But if the Blazers are using their own pick, here's the other thing. If you draft at seven, you're almost certainly going to have to take a guard because your guard's going to be the best player available. If you don't want a guard, Right. You know, because you think even best player available won't revolutionize the team. And God knows you don't need another player in the backcourt. Toppin is a forward at 11. You could draft a bigger player credibly. And then now you have two. Again, this is not a trade. This is not do everything you want to do. But if you are in that situation, two forwards who are promising might be better than one guard who you think, you know, maybe is not. I agree with that but see my draft pick and we'll get into this later but the person that i would pick with that draft pick is not a guard so for me i i it's right. it, yeah. anyway we'll, we'll get to we'll, we'll get see. to that but so i'll be topping it i i don't know if the knicks would do that i don't know how much uh you know how much weight this this rumor actually has but there's definitely there's def it's not a bad it's not a bad move i think i think it's one of those things that you could go either way with it uh, next name is a big one. Uh, this one is it was interesting. Uh, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is the the name that is rumored to be out there as a potential target for the Blazers. Dave, what do you think of this one? Oh, I'm more curious to hear what you think first. I mean, this is. I went first on the last one. I and Did I'm going to go first on the next one, but I want to hear what you think about right. this. I mean, what what in the name of Jumping Jehoshaphat makes you think that the Blazers can get Bradley Beal. I mean, there's not, 
There's not a chance in hell that they get Bradley Beal. He's been rumored in trades for two years, and prime players have been rumored associated yeah. with him. Honestly, the seventh pick, and what? That's not going to happen. I mean, even yeah, if, this is even if wild Washington one. is going to lose him. I mean, if that was going to happen, they could have traded him last year for way more. So, I, yeah. I look, and would a Lillard-Beal backcourt be fun? Yes, it would. But I mean, so would, you know, I wish I owned my own cheesecake factory, too, but it's not going to happen. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I, I don't know where this comes from. I, I kind of agree. I think that this one is a wild one. I think that this is not a realistic one. Uh, I don't think that th- this will pick up any traction. I think you're exactly right. I mean, the names that were thrown out last year for Bradley Beal that they didn't accept, but now they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that seventh pick is looking real good. It's just this doesn't make sense. And so then, essentially, we're looking at trading players that we don't want to trade in order to get Bradley Beal. And then I like Bradley Beal as a player, and I definitely think he's a different player than C.J. McCollum. But then you still end up with a small backcourt. He, you know, he's a, I think he's 6'3". He's, you know, he's, he's going to be – it would be different – but you're going to have some of the same problems that we had before. It, it doesn't feel like it really fixes the issue if we're having, especially if we're having to move. Now, if you could get Bradley Beal for the seventh pick, I think you absolutely do that. But one, that you're not going to. And two, I, you're not going to. So <laughs> it's All right. Just- so let's do this. Uh Let's let's get drunk and pretend that it's the seventh pick and a sign and traded Anthony Simons uh, plus Keon Johnson and maybe Nasir Little. Do you do that? No, I, I wouldn't. And maybe I'm crazy for this, but to me, I, to trade both Nasir and Anthony and Keon Johnson. I mean, those are are three young players that I think really have potential to come up and and be. And Bradley Beal is not a young player. And we're going to end up again with that same, we're going to end up with a small backcourt. And I just, I would say no. I would say no. I I might be crazy for that, but I think that's too much at this stage in the, in the, pla- in the Blazers ongoing development. I think you're trading away a lot of the future of that team. And I don't, I would say no. I mean, you can't have a future and a present though. I mean, uh, and, and no, by the way, Beal, but, but, Beal but, was, Beal's only like, what, he's going to turn 29? Yeah, he's going to be But you're 29. talking about, again, I go back to this over and over and over again, but Anthony Simons is in a spot where he is going to very seamlessly fit right into where Dame leaves off. And I think that that's valuable. And so, yeah, I see what you're saying if you're talking about a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, but Anthony Simons and Nasir Little aren't, 19 year old inexperienced players these guys have real nba minutes they are content like they're good solid players they're just younger and i think that they're gonna i think that they're gonna do well for the team i just don't like it i i i feel like again i like bradley beal as a player i would even like him teamed up with dame but i don't think it solves the problems we have so am i gonna trade nasir little anthony simons keon johnson and our number seven pick for a guy that i don't think solves our problems no i'm not yeah i do it if they're committed to keeping damian lillard they should do that now again i pulled that package out of you know the the air uh we'd have to check salary wise and a ton of other things to see if it works but if that was the package they should do that 
because you're not worried about, I mean, to use your analogy, you're trading for $20 bills or maybe ants of 40 and then the others are fives and tens, whatever. Um, you're trading about $85 for a hundred. Uh, and just, Washington's thing is the rebuild. So that's why it's more valuable to them in that situation. And but, like I said, he's, he's 29, which means he's in his prime and right. he is, he is more than CJ was. So, but he I mean, also didn't play a whole season. No, he didn't, and and he's been and, and is and is Bradley Beal going to make the Trailblazers a contender? Is any move going to make the Blazers a contender? Is the question? May, but that's, I, I I think that maybe I, I I don't think that again. I don't think they're probably going to win a championship this season. But I think it's moving the needle in the right direction significantly. I think there are things that can be done, and I don't necessarily think that has to be a big name. I think Bradley Beal is great. I really do, but I don't think I just I just don't see that being the thing that does it. And so you you know you. Mm. Yeah, no, I. I, I and, and especially do. because he hasn't played the last season like that. I I I don't know. You want to make Dame? I, you want to make Dame happy? You do that. You want to like you want to get significantly better than they were last season. You do that. Uh, and we're, we're, realistically, we are uh, debating or whatever about players. Something's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. But co- we're also constantly debating about players who aren't going to make all the difference. And yet we talk about trading for them. Everybody on this list doesn't make all the difference. But Bradley, right. Bradley Beal is clearly the most talented player that we've talked about. But we're also not giving up Anthony Simons and Sierra Little, Keon Johnson, and a seven pick for anybody else on this list uh, I, I still take the hundred dollar bill instead of uh, all the 20s i mean it's and i get that anthony i get it uh and, and i respect what ant has done and will do but again we're saying in essence the blazers are saying screw that we're building around dame all right because if we weren't doing that if we we're going young then you could trade dame for a lot more young right, players right right no I, so they're and saying I, forget it you, you we can't have both so I, if we're going to go with it. dame Go all in with Dame. But I don't think Bradley Beal is going in all in for Dame. And I think that's what it comes down to is I'm not sitting here. And this was, you know, this was kind of a topic that came up when we were doing the keeper heat. I'm not sitting here saying I want to run it back with the same team. But what I am saying is if we're going to trade these guys that we've held on to, these guys that have improved so much over the last few years, these guys that I feel like have a high ceiling that they're really starting to come into their own, make it worth it. And I just don't think Bradley Beal is worth all of those in the situation that we're in with the other players we have. So then, so then now who do you have? You've got Dame, you've got Bradley Beal, you've got Nurk. Who else are you starting with them? Josh Hart. Josh Hart. I didn't put him in the package. See, he would be just as likely in that package instead of Nos, really. Uh, and he would probably make that package sweeter for the Wizards. Um, I was hoping the Blazers could keep him because I think you'll need some backup uh, at the guard positions. Also, who, but he can who would be play so, a little bit small forward? But who would be the fifth? So we've got Dame. We've got hold on. I'm I'm struggling to even remember who we have at this point. Yeah, we have Dame. We have Nurk. We have Bradley Beal. Theoretically, we have Josh Hart, and then we have those are your who big, am I missing? Those are your big players. I mean, those are your big four. And so you, who would you put with them? You still don't really have a power forward, and this is a big hole. But the Blazers. I mean, saying, yeah, though. Joe Ingles, perhaps. But then that's what I'm saying is because then now and then that's just the starting. Then what about the guys on the bench? What do we have left of a bench? So then we it, it just it, it just to me it feels like you're taking 
um, you're taking too many Mm-hmm. To to bring somebody in and fill a hole, you're making the hole bigger. So I, I guess that's where I'm at. So, so it, it's here's not what you're doing. again. You're you're filling the bench with Ingles with uh, Trend and Watford. Um, you are looking at Justice Winslow, perhaps, uh, and also maybe using a mid level. Now the problem is that Beal is bloody expensive. And Lillard's going to be bloody expensive. Yep. So it will not be very long until your salary cap is completely occupied by literally and we haven't those the two players. But what you're hoping then in that Beal deal is that you have gotten one big step closer to solving that problem. And then you can make an ancillary move somewhere, either with a, a signing or some kind of uh, you know other trade or a draft next year or whatever it is in order to then go the rest of the way over the yeah. top now i don't you know i don't find that likely but i don't find any scenario likely and again if you are going right now staying with dame it's all about right now bradley beal is is clearly someone you have to consider if all it takes is young players okay well we we're gonna we're gonna disagree on that one yep. uh that i again i i'm not opposed to bradley beal on the team i just don't think that he feels the holes that we need him to fill mm-hmm. with that trade. You know, I, there may be another trade package that I, you know, that I, I might be more inclined to, but to me, that's just, I'm not ready for that. So the next one is an interesting one. Um, this one, I, I, Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges is is the other trade. I don't know. Do you know what the trade details are that they're proposing for that one? No, you know but I'm sure head? the seventh pick would go out with it. It's it's relatively uh, similar trade. Okay, um, I I actually like this one. Uh, Miles Bridges is somebody that I think would would fit in well. You know, he's a little bit bigger, six seven, um, and I think he. I think he'd fit well. I think he's a lot. I think he's got a lot of talent. He's young. He's 24. Um, so he's going to grow with this team, but he's already showing, you know, that he can hold a, a spot there. So I, I like this one again, it depends on the package. I think it's important that we don't give away too much because then we're trying to fill those holes and, and we need to solve the problems without creating too big of other problems. Um, but this is one that I, I don't hate Dave. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, hmm. he is a little bigger. I mean, you're still a little bit playing small ball. I guess you can play him at small forward, but other than one year, his three-point shooting isn't anything to write home about. Mm, uh, You know, he's one of those all-around, he reminds me a bit of Josh Hart with different skill set. He's certainly capable of scoring. He's shown that. His defense, I think, again, this is another murky thing. I think he has moments that are great. Uh, but then the overall, I mean, gosh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about it. I, I think, let's put it this way. I like it as well as anything. And if the Blazers made that move, I think them making it would convince me that it was probably the sensible one. You know what I mean? It's one of those that yeah. kind of is yeah. the proof is in the fact that they actually did it. So yeah. I don't think there's anything to dislike about that. Uh, and he might. Does he really? I don't think he makes more sense than OG Ananobi. No, uh, I, I agree. I mean, is he better than Jeremy Grant? Uh, 
I think I might rather have Grant, especially if you can get Grant for something okay. else besides the seventh pick. Yeah, that's fair. I agree with that. I agree with that. I it is it is interesting because a lot of these guys it, it could work, but it's one of those things where they're kind of interchangeable. There's a lot of people who could fill roles here. There are a lot of options. I think this one probably has more weight to it than, for instance, Bradley Beal or even Obi Toppin. Uh, I think that this one's probably a more attainable uh, op- option. Um, it's not my favorite, but I don't. I don't. I, I I'm maybe a little more in in favor of it than you are. But I actually don't disagree with what you're saying. I think. I think I might rather have Jeremy Grant too, and like you said, especially if we don't have to give up that pick for it, that that would make sense. Yeah, I've got a soft spot for left-handed forwards, though. I mean, I kind of, you know, I like that about him, and I, I yeah. really do think he has a well-rounded game, and he's been exciting uh, yeah. to watch blossom. So, I, again, I wouldn't be mad at this. I think I would think, huh, that's um, that's a decent move. Uh, but yeah, again, options. Yeah. So the last, the last one that I've got here, uh, I was trying to look up his, his stats here real quick, but, um, John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks, again, young 24, he's six, nine. So he's got, you know, some height, which we like on the trailblazers. Um, I like this. I don't know what the trade package is. I wish I had had those in front of me because I think that that I think that always matters what you're giving away in order to get it. It's going to be but, the seventh pick and a player, probably. I mean, could, I would guess it would be in the realm of Josh Hart. It wouldn't be a big star. It wouldn't be one of the top three, but yeah. it would be like someone around Hart or a package of younger players. Yeah, so I, I don't hate this. Uh, I... I don't, I don't know that I'm, you know, leaping up and down. None of these are, are, none of these are trades that I'm hearing and being like, yep, I do that. No questions asked or, or even leaning toward that. None of them are like really quick. Yes. All of these that we've talked about today are kind of like, "Eh, well, yeah, it could work. Um, I don't, I'm not excited about any of these. Um, But John Collins is Probably of the ones we've talked about today, Obi Toppin, Bradley Beal, I'm kind of throwing out because it's not going to happen. Miles Bridges or John Collins. I think John Collins might be the one I lean toward the most. Uh, Possibly Obi Toppin. I liked that. I didn't think that was a terrible move, but I like John Collins. I think he's solid. Um, You know, I I think he's, he's young. He's got height. I like that. Uh, I think he would be, I think he'd be interesting with with this team. Well, he's the only guy besides Aiton who's a real big. So there's yeah. that, okay? Uh, he's the only guy at all who's a power forward. Yeah. Uh, also, offensively, Beal is better and Zach Levine is better, but both of those are guards. Collins is clearly a superb offensive player, and he's an efficient scorer, so he's probably going to fit in well in that sense. The Hawks know how talented he is. They've seen how talented he is. They've never had an easy relationship with him. 
there is one kind of red flag. Now, change of scenery and all that, you might say that's great. Uh, and, you know, he might flourish in a new stop, maybe. But there's that little caveat there. Defense is the other one. I've not been impressed by his defensive game, I don't think, ever. Uh, and I don't know. It, like, can the Blazers afford that? In one sense, you could just overload it. Like, okay, you got Damian Lillard, you got Anthony Simons, you got John Collins. You're going to score a lot. But yeah. that approach has not necessarily worked. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what you would be banking on. But I think he's a huge combination of, of offensive talent and fit. So, again, if they did it, I don't think initially you could scream too loud. I think... And and if you're talking about just a seventh pick and a player, a mid-range player, you're not going to do any better. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Whether it ends up being the ultimate move, I think, is up to debate. But you're you're not going to find a better one, probably. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I think it's I think it's an interesting one for sure. I think of the ones that I've heard. Uh, it's it's higher up there on my list than, than the others we've talked about today. Um, you know, we'll see. As the summer moves forward, we'll see if any of these pick up any steam or if they just kind of fizzle out. Uh, you know, I mean, we're still we're still hearing Jeremy Grant. We're still hearing Zach Levine, but that's not happening. Um, DeAndre Ayton pops up here and there still. I think that would have to – I think the only way that makes sense is if we do a double sign-in trade with Nurk. Uh, and and I, I don't know that that's likely – um, so I haven't gotten my hopes up about that, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't hate the John Collins one. I think that's not bad. So we'll, well see. That, that appears to be the tipping point. There's some who are DeAndre Ayton people, and there are some that are more John Collins people. If the Blazers yeah. were to make a big swing move. Yeah. I think Ayton yeah. would cost more clearly. Yeah. And I, I tend to lean more toward that move actually than John Collins. I think maybe. I don't know. I, I, I'm undecided. I'm undecided. I want to kind of see how things play out and, you know, where, where we go with this. I'm, I'm anxious to see. Um, <clears throat> which kind of leads us to uh, the next thing, which is the potential picks for that seventh pick if we keep it. Uh, if the Blazers choose not to trade it and they keep it, they have been working out players. They have been observing uh, potential draft picks. Um, the, the four names that I'm hearing the most of are Benedict Matherin, Jalen Duren. Is that how you say it? Duren? Go think. for it. I guess we'll find out as we hear it said more. Um, and Dyson Daniels, I guess it's three. Uh, those are the, those are the ones I'm hearing Jaden the Ivey is the I... other hot one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He was their first workout I think that they did. Uh, um, I, I'm not sure he's the first one, but he was. One oh, of no, the Dyson Daniels ones. was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so there's there's some some interesting names in there. Uh, I know where I would go with this. Dave, where go, would go you go it. with this? No, no, go with this. OK, I, I have thought about this a lot. Uh, and before I watch, I didn't want to read anyone else's picks uh, of what they would do. I wanted to make my mind up for myself. So I looked at, you know, what what people were predicting would be open still by the seventh pick. And uh, my, my impression was my, my choices kind of fell to either um, 
Benedict Matherin or Jalen Duran. And I went, I, I would go with Jalen. Um, he is, he is a monster of a human being. Um, his offensively, he seems to struggle. Um, he's not solid offensively, but he is a solid human being. And here's, here's the thing. When you're drafting a center, especially drafting, um, you know, those guys coming out of college, a lot of times their bodies are so thin when they're that tall, they're so thin. And this guy is not built that way. He is solid. Uh, and he is athletic and you can't teach that. Um, that's, that's the kind of thing that you either are or you aren't. And I think it's something that, uh, would benefit this team. Um, defensively, he's, he's good. Uh, and, and I, I like him. I, he is really athletic. Um, and he looks really promising to me, especially from the Blazers who have struggled with that position. It would be nice to have a backup center. And I think, uh, you know, the offense obviously definitely needs work. But I think he's worth that risk, in my opinion. So that's where I would go. I think I agree about the athleticism. He's a bit of a project. I mean, nobody in the lottery is a total project, but he needs work. And yes. the question is, would the Blazers be able to utilize him on offense since he's in the middle? And the thing about Yusuf Nurkic is he moves outside, he can post out a little farther, and most importantly, he can pass, right? Yeah. So these are not uh, qualities that Duran has, right? He, right. Uh, he would almost be, you'd figure for the first year or two, he would almost be a rock in your shoe that uh, might actually provide some solid platform someday, but every time that you really wanted to play him and, and do something, you would have to change the offense and change the system to make use of him. That would be the caveat there. But, again, looking at the future, and let's, let's presume if the Blazers are drafting for themselves at number seven, their plans to trade this pick and build for now have fallen through. So I would say that he would not be a terrible idea for like post Nurkic, but you know, you are, you're betting on, it's like, it's like buying a really fancy car with fins. I mean, this is classic. This is cool. It might look good and go real fast, but this is not modern. Uh, so, you know, buyer beware. Yeah, I I don't think he's without problems. Um, I just think he's worth the risk. And so, you know, when I'm looking at what there is available at that point, most likely, uh, he's he is who I would go with. But this kind of goes to the argument that we should probably trade it. Because really, in my opinion, there isn't somebody that does what we need them to do coming in as a rookie in that seventh pick. I don't think that there's anybody in this draft class that's going to, that's going to fall that far down. I say that like the seventh pick is so far down, but that's going to still be there that, you know, that's not an early pick. I don't think that there's anybody in this draft class that is going to come in and is going to solve the problems that the Blazers have. To me, it makes a lot more sense to trade that pick and get someone who's going to come in with the experience and the skill set and the ability to make a difference on the team immediately. If, if, um, so, mm -hmm. but, if you can trade up to get Jabari Smith, you probably do that. 
because he's, like he's one Smith. guy yeah. who could. Do, but that would require trading up. I mean, and there's Matherin too. I, I think he would be good. I mean, he can score. He can shoot. Um, he's a guard, and his defense probably needs some work. And the same is true of Jaden Ivey. I mean, that those words scare me. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, this guy can probably score. Uh, and one of them's an athlete and one of them's a shooter, but both of them need work on defense. Oh, yeah. really? I mean, like, okay, you, you need to slow your roll. At this point, you need to go to, like, rehab for guards who can score and can't play defense. So, you know, it, it's going to be tricky. I, I actually liked Keegan Murray. That's who I was kind of hoping for when we, before we knew who the – where the pick was going to go, but he's not, I don't think he'll fall to the seventh and, and say, I mean, obviously Jabari Smith either. He's going to go in the top three. Right. Um, but most likely, but I, I just don't, I just don't think that any of these make sense over a potential uh, player that, you know, has already is, is somebody that can come in and really do something right away. So in my opinion, the move here is as much as it would be fun to watch the Blazers draft somebody, uh, and, and, you know, be excited about that talent coming in. I, I just don't think it's the move. Yeah, they'll draft him, but he'll probably switch caps. Um, yeah. Shaden Sharp would be the other one. We talked a little bit about him. We talked with uh, Danny and uh, Steve, uh, but not too much. Here's the thing is that he has the most unknown ceiling potential. I mean, he could be a guy who just ends up being fantastic, right? But he needs work. You don't know anything about him. That's why he might drop to seven. But if he did drop to seven, that means six teams who had a chance to take him decided, no, this isn't really going to work. And those six teams will have looked at him. Well, maybe not number one and number two, but, you know, uh, he would have gotten inspection. So you're like betting against the, the grain there. I don't think I would scream if the Blazers did that because I think there's potential there. But again, if they draft him and keep him, that's a huge signal that they're not they're not building up right now. I mean, he's yeah. he's a three years from now project. He's a Damian Lillard's now 35, you know, right. learning curve. So, yeah, I, I, I think Shaden Sharp would be an interesting possibility if they had to lose to pick or use to pick. But A, will he be there? And B, if he is, what does that mean? Yeah. Okay, a couple other things. Um, I'm sure we'll be back to this throughout the summer as things change and shift. You know, we're going to continue to talk about the trade rumors and, and what they do and all that. You know, the, the draft is coming up here pretty quick. So um, we'll, we'll know soon enough about that as well. Um, a couple of headlines that kind of center around the Trailblazers. This currently, uh, the Jazz Utah Jazz head coach has, has stepped down, um, and so immediately rumors are swirling about who will f- take his spot. And uh, Coach Terry Stotts is apparently a name that is in the running. You know, it sounds like he's just kind of being thrown out there for every head coaching job that becomes available this season, as he should. You know, he he deserves to be coaching somewhere, and and I hope he I hope he lands somewhere. Um, I think the Hornets as well. Is that the other one that he was? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we'll see. He didn't get the Laker job, so we'll see. You know, if he lands somewhere else. 
um, there was a, another coaching that's kind of related is Rashid Wallace. Uh, Rashid Wallace has been announced as joining the Lakers as an assistant coach uh, and Trailblazers fans everywhere let out a collective groan <laughs> as we watch him um, go and, and be part of the Lakers organization. I think that's always a weird thing when, you know, players that have been loved in Portland end up somehow affiliated with the Lakers. Uh, that's always a little bit, a little bit weird. Um but here we are. That'll Rashid be fun. was hated in Portland, though. But people forget that uh, he was a really smart player. And he understood the game. He understood his role in it. If anything, he had to be goaded into taking a bigger offensive star-like role. Uh, he came from North Carolina. Uh, obviously has a coaching lineage that's huge. Uh, and, yeah, I, I don't think that he's a bad assistant especially not now. I mean, uh, there are things that he can teach these players. And although asterisk, we're still talking about Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I'm presuming that the Lakers are going to eventually live in a post LeBron world. And I think for the future, Rashid makes a lot of sense right now. The team is going to go like LeBron goes, and the team is going to go like AD goes. That's the end of the story. But as far as coaches are going to make a difference in the future, I I think Rashid is a sensible hire. Quinn Snyder, I mean, he did a great job in Utah, I thought. Uh, Eventually, he bumped up against the limitations of his roster and their inability to get along. That position will depend a lot on what Donovan Mitchell does next whether he forces a trade or does whatever he's going to do if he's happy there and stays that could be a really attractive position if not they're probably beginning into a rebuild either of which Stotts could handle I think he'd be fine either way but the interesting thing will be if uh you know the Blazers don't do well this season and they decide to part ways with Chauncey Billups which I'm not saying will happen but if disaster were to strike and new owners came in or whatever and just like we want to completely retool would Quinn Snyder be a live possibility for Portland at some point after taking a year off or even two years off I think that's not a a zero chance so yeah uh, it'll be interesting to watch him yeah so that kind of you just kind of let us right into the next thing uh their new owners you know there's been a lot of conversation about new ownership for a while uh, it recently came out that that Jody Allen will be selling the team at some point. We just do not know exactly when that is, which is just so open-ended. Uh, you know, rumors being in 2024, I believe it is, when the new TV deal uh, happens and she makes more money off that. I don't know. Well, there, but, there are other rumors other than that, actually. There is speculated, and we don't know for sure, that in the transfer of the team, there was a stipulation that it needs to be moved by a certain date. In other words, right. it was never planned to transfer to the Allen Foundation or to Jody forever. That they had some leeway to figure out when the best time to sell was, but there was a best buy date on that. And after that, it would be moved and the profits taken. Yeah. So it seems like it's approaching. Uh, you know, more and more rumors seem to be coming about that. But then uh, Phil Knight of nike and the is it the owner of the dodgers uh a co-owner yes 
co-owner of the Dodgers, uh, put in an offer. It's an ownership group. So I believe it's more than just them, but they would be the, the majority owners, um, put in an offer for $2 billion for the trailblazers. And it was pretty quickly shut down. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this would have been interesting. There are things about, you know, Phil Knight and, and the, the, this group that I like, uh, you know, obviously keeping the Blazers in Portland, although I don't think that's really up, up for discussion. I, I would be shocked no matter who buys it, if they allow them to move the team, especially looking at an expansion coming up possibly. Um, I, I think the Blazers are going to be staying in Portland. Um, but that being said, you know, the Nike affiliation obviously is kind of a fun one when it's your team. It's, it makes some things kind of interesting. Um, honestly, aside from that, I think these are two guys that would push to win. I think that they would go beyond what we are used to, to try to make this a contending team, which I love the idea of, you know, I like the idea of somebody being willing to go into the, the tax and, and, um the cap space and all that stuff and and make some big moves and and try to make this a contending team that would be really nice to see uh i'm frankly just really tired of the ownership that we have and i'm anxious for uh, for change so i don't know it, it's it blows my mind to think about two billion dollars not being enough and i i get it like it's business and i get it but man the the amount the amount of things you could do with two billion dollars i just it almost makes me sick to even think about that amount of money it's it's a complex issue in a lot of ways first of all let's look at the financials and let's let's correct something a little bit that the blazers were and have been willing to go into the luxury tax under current ownership they just weren't willing to do it in order it to be mediocre working. or just suck, right, right, which right. makes some sense. Also, the financials. Okay, so here's how owners generate revenue. I think there is some whatever from the team. I'm not actually sure how the profit thing works. I do know this, though, that the accounting chicanery that they do very, very often, and they've used this in bargaining with the players, by the way, very, very often they can make those books show a loss. Expenses for this and that and the other thing, whether or not the team actually loses money is beside the point. They get tens of millions or more a year in writing off for losses for their taxes, which helps them then with their personal finances. Because all of a sudden you get the classic thing where someone is making a ton of money and not having to pay taxes on it. And that's uh, almost no matter who you are, unaltered taxes is the biggest bite of your income that you're going to have. You can't eat enough <laughs> in order to, to, to spend for tax. You know what I mean? You're 40% at that income level. There's, there's no way that you can spend on anything else that's going to come close. So being able to kind of move that down uh, using your sports team as a cover is very popular. So that's some incentive to keep it. Here's the other incentive, though. Almost all the actual money making, or I shouldn't say almost all, but the, the huge amount of it comes in the resale. I mean, the appreciation and sports teams have only gone up and up. I mean, you say two billion, they may be undervalued. I mean, Paul Allen bought it for 
a couple hundred million. Okay. And there's a big difference between million and billion. And I know 20 yeah. some years has passed, but that's still in a lifetime or 30 some. Uh, that's still in a lifetime. To go from millions to billions is a big step forward. So there's some incentive yeah. to keep it so that the valuation keeps going up. And I think that's part of the strategy is when to sell. And then also, of course, for how much. And both of those will take a little bit of a backseat in this case, then to whom. Now, Knight has the Oregon connection. He's also ancient. <laughs> so, I mean, how long that lasts, God bless him. I mean, who knows? Uh, Smolenisky, the thing to recommend him is the Dodgers have gone for it. They've won one World Series and yep. they've gone hard to win. One would hope that that would transfer over to Portland. Um, that said, there are some itchy ethics for some with Nike, and I think appropriately so, and even sometimes with Knight. So, I mean, it's not entirely a thumbs up from all sides, and there might be some things to look at there. But if you're just kind of being selfish and saying, I want the Blazers to stay in Portland and have an Oregon connection, this is certainly one of the options, at least for now. Yeah. Yep. Again, you know, we'll we'll follow this as it as it happens and, and keep you all updated. Um, but right now it sits in the same place that it did two weeks ago. <laughs> so. It is likely better than a Texas oil man or a uh, Las Vegas casino owner. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, last thing, uh, as we've already gone, gone long tonight, but uh, just a kind of fun little thing to kind of wrap it up. Um, CJ McCollum, who I know is no longer a trailblazer, but CJ McCollum uh, has signed a deal with ESPN. He's now, you're, you're going to see him, you know, as a commentator. Uh, he's been sitting there with Stephen A. Smith, and that's been interesting. Uh, I actually love that dynamic. I think it should be a new rule that anytime they have a panel of people like that, they need to have a current player on that panel because watching CJ McCollum go back at Stephen A. Smith has been one of the small delights in my life <laughs> last <laughs> week. Um, so I'm a fan of of him in that role. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna kill it. He already is. But he said something really interesting uh, in one of the conversations where he was talking about load management, and he brought up Dame and and the Trailblazers and talked about the fact that you know. Uh, the team would essentially ask them to sit certain games to rest, uh, depending on, you know, what was going on there and um, how those games would come up and neither of them would actually do it. <laughs> so, um, but he talked about the fact that, you know, it, it, it to fans, it looks like players are just sitting out when they should be playing. But in reality, you know, those players are assets to the team. They pay money for them to be on that team and their assets. And if they overwork them or push them too hard, they can lose those assets. And so I thought that was a really uh, interesting perspective when you're talking about load management and sitting games and resting, um, you know, to remember that it's not, it's not just a matter of a player being lazy or not wanting to play that, you know, that those players are assets to their teams and, and resting them keeps them healthy. Um, so that was kind of interesting interesting tidbit there it may keep them healthy i mean i think the data is still out on because load management has only been a thing for a couple years right. so it'll be a while before we need to see 
I think the game is faster now. The game is certainly more athletic in terms of movement now than it used to be. And I'm not saying that players didn't move in the 80s and 90s, but it was a, a lot of, of it was a strength based game uh, and absorbing contact. And yeah, that hurts, but it also happens in somewhat predictable ways. Uh, you didn't get as, as many injuries of, you know, players landing on other people's feet uh, or players blowing out knees, uh, dunking or all that stuff. Right. Uh, because I think it's more of a vertical game, both in the sense of up in the air and up and down the court. So I think this is a different challenge health wise than we are used to seeing. I still think, though, that the load management, unless it extends down into earlier levels, is kind of like smoke and mirrors. Because a lot of players, by the time they get to the NBA, have played so much repetitive AAU ball, done basketball exercises from the time they were six years old, have worked those same joints and ligaments innumerable times in exactly the same ways that they're just getting to the league with more mileage than they used to 30 years ago when you had a four sport athlete who would at least do different things with their knees every season. So I think that it's worth having a broader discussion. You know, uh, look, baseball did this. Little League, you know, basically instituted a rule. uh, And I think maybe in high school too, I'm not sure. It said, look, no change ups. No, no off-speed pitches because you're ruining p- kids' arms before they fully develop. So it's fastballs until their body is physically mature enough to handle it. It would be interesting to see if basketball could have a similar thing going on. Uh, I'm not sure that's possible, but I think that has to be part of any discussion that goes on with load management and body management and general health. Yeah. Yeah, either way, the 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 takeaway for me from all of this, even beyond that, is just CJ on that panel. I am really excited about that. You know, CJ CJ belongs in in sports media and I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be great. I think he's been a lot of fun to listen to, and I think we're gonna I think over time we're gonna hear more of these little behind the scenes tidbits about his time with the Blazers and, and I'm looking forward to that. Yep, that should be interesting. Go CJ. Um uh, hope he has fun. Yeah, and I think that you know, obviously he got a leg up because of who she, who he is and how he plays. Uh, but I think it's probably well-deserved, too. He definitely has some talent, and it'll be interesting to see how that blossoms. Yep. I, like I said, I think we should have a, a current player on every one of those panels now. I think, it's, I think it adds a lot. I think it's great. Very good. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. We are glad you joined us for the 81st episode. Only 19 to go before episode 100. It, uh, well, time flies. I mean, it'll that'll happen before the end of summer. But between now and then, we have so much. I mean, the draft is, what, a couple weeks away now? And then free agency opens, and that will be interesting so uh for dia miller i'm dave deckard uh, join us next week for even more rumors even more draft speculation and a whole lot of fun. a hater sees an opening down the lane moves towards the hoop but then dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away saying get that weak stuff out of here dave scoops up the loose ball now it's a fast break the other way with dia she's flying down the court dave comes here now to you she jams it boom shaka 
crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent! <laughs>